Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the morning services. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. The second journey to Egypt. Now the famine was still severe in the land. So when they had eaten all the grain they had brought from Egypt, their father said to them, go back and buy a little more food. But Judah said to him, The man warned us, warned us solemnly, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. If you will send our brother along with us, we will go down and buy food for you. But if you will not send him, we will not go down, because the man said to us, You will not see my face again unless your brother is with you. Israel asked, Why did you bring this trouble on me by telling me, telling the man that you had another brother. They replied, The man questioned us closely about ourselves and our family. Is your father still living? He asked us. Do you have another brother? We simply answered his questions. How were we to know? He would say, Bring your brother down here. Then Judah said to Israel, his father, Send the boy along with me, and we will go at once, so that we and you and our children may live and not die. I myself will guarantee his safety. You can hold me personally responsible for him. If I do not bring him back to you and set him before you, I will bear the blame before you all my life. As it is, we have not delayed. We could have gone and returned twice. Then their father Israel said to them, If it must be, then do this. Put some of the best products of the land in your bags and take them down to the man as a gift. A little balm and a little honey, some spices and myrrh, some pistachio nuts and almonds. Take double the amount of silver with you, for you must return the silver that was put into the mouths of your sacks. Perhaps it was a mistake. Take your brother also and go back to the man at once. And may God Almighty grant you mercy before the man, so that he will let your, your brother and Benjamin come back with you. As for me, I am bereaved. I am bereaved. So the men took the gifts and doubled the amount of silver and Benjamin also. They hurried down to Egypt and presented themselves to Joseph. When Joseph saw Benjamin with them, he said to the steward of his house, Take these men to my house. Slaughter an animal and prepare a meal. They are to eat with me at noon. The man did as Joseph told him and took the men to Joseph's house. Now the men were frightened when they were taken to his house. They thought we were brought here because of the silver that was put into our sacks the first time. He wants to attack us and overpower us and seize us as slaves and take our donkeys. So they went to Joseph's steward and spoke to him at the entrance to the house. We beg your pardon, our Lord, they said. We came down here the first time to buy food. 
but at the place where we stopped for the night, we opened our sacks, and each of us found his silver, the exact weight in the mouth of the sack. So we had brought it back with us. We had also brought additional silver with us to buy food. We don't know who to put our silver in our sacks. It's all right, he said. Don't be afraid. Your God, the God of your father, has given you treasure in your sacks. I received your silver. Then he brought Simeon out to them. The steward took the men into Joseph's house, gave them water to wash their feet and provided fodder for their donkeys. They prepared their gifts for Joseph's arrival at noon because they had heard they were to eat there. When Joseph came home, they presented to him the gifts they had brought into the house and they bowed down before him to the ground. He asked them how they were and then he said, How is your aged father you told me about? Is he still living? They replied, Your servant, our father, is still alive and well. And they bowed down, prostrating themselves before him. As he looked about and saw his brother Benjamin, his own mother's son, he asked, Is this your youngest brother, the one you told me about? And he said, God be gracious to you, my son. Deeply moved at the sight of his brother, Joseph hurried out and looked for a place to weep. He went into his private room and wept there. After he had washed his face, he came out and controlling himself said, Serve the food. They served him by himself, the brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians who ate with him by themselves, because Egyptians could not eat with Hebrews, for that is detestable to Egyptians. The men had been seated before him on the order of their ages, from the firstborn to the youngest, and they looked at each other in astonishment. When portions were served to them from Joseph's table, Benjamin's portion was five times as much as anyone else's. So they feasted and drank freely with him. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I just want to say, first of all, thank you for having us here. Really appreciate it, having my family here this morning. Let us just pray. Lord, we just want to say thank you for your word, that it's your truth revealed to us. And Lord, may we never say that we do not hear from you. Lord, may we just open up your word and hear what you have to say to us. So Lord, give us this morning listening ears and a soft heart to receive from you. In Jesus' mighty and powerful name, amen. Amen. Okay, so my question to you all this morning is, do you have confidence in God's providence. Do you have confidence in God's providence? God's providence is his divine governance. God rules in love and in wisdom. And he does this over all things in the universe. That is his governance. Do you trust and do you have confidence in God's providence. Another way to put it is, do you trust God's process? A lot of people talk about trusting the process. Let's be specific. Do you trust God's process? I firmly believe Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 28, that says, all things work together for good for those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. How many things work together for good? All. Amen. Not some things, but all things work together for good 
for those who love God. You've got to love God. It's those things that all things work together for good for, who are called according to his purpose. So speaking about God's providence, how have you seen that in your own life? Think about it for a moment. How have you seen God orchestrating moves and doing things in your life? Have you experienced God's governance in your life? Has anyone experienced God's governance? Put your hands up. See, in, in Brightwell Baptist Church, I get them to be a little bit interactive. You can shout amen as well if you agree. Amen? Okay. So speaking about God's providence and governance in my own life, let's look at that. So after I left college, my first job was a security officer. And then I worked at Wandsworth Prison as part of the probation team. I then went to Hendon to do my police training. Now, my dad had just passed away before that. So when I got to Hendon, I really just didn't want to do it anymore. And so I actually left. I just had no desire to continue my police training. And then I worked in the home office for a little while. And then I went to work for the council. In 2013, which was my 10th year in the council, I began to feel frustrated. How many of you sometimes get frustrated in your job? Yeah? Mm, every day. <laughs> Monday to Friday. Well, I started to get frustrated. I felt like there was something going on here. I felt like the Lord wanted me to do something else. I didn't know what it was. I was confused. I was frustrated. I was agitated. I knew that the Lord wanted me to do something else, but I didn't know what it was. And so in 2013, I really started to seek the Lord more than ever. I really was seeking the Lord. God, what is it, what is it that you want me to do? I will even put down my music to, to, to know your will for my life. Now, at the time, I was doing music production. I'd done a music production course, a bit of sound engineering, and I used to rap as well. So I was really into my music, and I think my wife was quite concerned it was taking over my life. Um, and she, I don't think she was seeing much money in it either. So, um, <laughs> you know, wives and security and so on. So... Yeah, I was like, Lord, what is it that you want me to do? I'll even put down my music, my love, my passion, just to know your will for my life. And I think that's key when you do that, by the way. When you have a passion for something and you say, Lord, okay, I have a passion for this, but Lord, what is it that you want me to do? And that's what I did. By September of the same year, I had left full-time employment and was embarking on a theology degree. Despite coming away from a healthy salary, my wife had suggested I did the theology course full-time. Now, that's amazing, isn't it? To leave full-time employment and do a course full-time, knowing that the money is going to reduce dramatically. I spoke to my mother about it. I like to go to my mum. You always need someone wise to go to. So I spoke to my mother. and She said, yes, I totally agree. I then spoke to an elder of our previous church about this. And he said, well, if two of the most important women in your life have said, yes, go for it, then yes, you need to go for it. So, just before starting the course, I was informed about a vocational mode of training that they did. This is at Spurgeon's College. And so I switched to that vocational mode last minute. Now, my reason for switching was that I felt as if I needed to be more active in the church. That was my only reason. I'd grown up in the church for a very long time, and I hadn't been very active, and I just felt I needed to be more involved in church life, church ministry. 
So the vocational route provided me with just that. Reluctantly, I had to leave my church that I was in and I had to find a Baptist church, which I didn't really want to do. Too traditional for me. And so I I struggled with that. I had no thoughts about being a minister, not one bit. I did not like talking or even standing in front of people. I had a fear standing in front of people and, and, and talking. I just wanted, like I said, to be more useful in the church, which is why I chose the vocational route. So in a short space of time now, I was ordained as a Baptist minister, received my first pastorate. I had completed my degree and then my master's. My friend said to me, do you know what, Jonathan? It seems as if God was just moving you like a chess piece on the board. God had a plan. Even your very being at Brighton Road Baptist Church It's clear that God had a plan for you to be there. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. Amen? Okay, so do you have confidence in God's providence? That's what I'm asking you this morning. Now, when we look at the life of Joseph, we can see God's providence. We can see God's plan. Joseph was hated on by his brothers. He was thrown into a pit. His brothers told their father, Jacob, that Joseph had been torn apart by a wild animal and they sold him into slavery. That's chapter 37. Yet Joseph grows up in Egypt and he has the favor of God upon his life. You can't stop what God is doing, amen? When God is doing something, you cannot stop it. No one can stop it. God moves him like a chess piece on a board, across the board. And Joseph ends up becoming the governor of Egypt, an Egyptian ruler. Chapter 41. Do you have confidence this morning in God's providence? Do you trust God's process in your life? And so now we come to chapter 43 in the book of Genesis. There is a famine in Canaan. And Egypt is where the food is. That's where the food has been stored. That's where the food is at, as we say. And so Joseph's brothers have already gone to Egypt to receive grain, chapter 42. Now this famine has got seven years. The brothers don't know that. Joseph knows that. But here's the problem. The food has run out. They underestimated the time of the famine, I guess. The food has run out and the father, Jacob, orders his sons to return to Egypt to buy more food. To add to this, the Egyptian ruler has detained their brother, Simeon. He was detained. And they are not to return unless they arrive with their younger brother, Benjamin. Remember that they do not know the Egyptian ruler is their brother, Joseph. As you said, it's probably the eyeliner. Yeah, he's grown up and he's got the Egyptian customs. They don't recognize him. And so we fast forward in the chapter and the brothers make it to Egypt. They take Benjamin with them and they eventually meet the Egyptian ruler. Amen, that's it. No, I'm just joking, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. That would be the shortest sermon I've ever done. Okay. So at this point, what I would like to do is just highlight a contrast in the narrative here. 
a difference in behavior of two people. The first one is Jacob, the father. Jacob does not want his son, Benjamin, to go to Egypt. Jacob, or Israel as he's also called, he asks this question in verse 6. He says, why did you bring this trouble on me by telling the man you had another brother? Jacob is thinking, I've already lost my son Joseph. My other son, Simeon, has been detained. And now I could end up losing Benjamin as well. So understandably, understandably, he is very concerned. He is very distressed. Now, this is interesting. It is the eldest brother, Judah, that steps up, by the way. Judah. He makes it clear that they have no choice. They must go to Egypt to get food. They have to, or they will starve. Very wise and sensible there, isn't it? We have to go, verse 8, otherwise we'll starve. And they must take Benjamin, otherwise the Egyptian ruler will not even show his face to them. We have to go. Judah, who was the bad guy, becomes the voice of reason in this situation. You may remember Judah was the one who had the plan to sell Joseph into slavery. It was Judah who slept with his daughter-in-law, Tamar. It was Judah who later demanded her death, that she should be burned. The same Judah persuades his father to take Benjamin, to take Benjamin, and he takes personal responsibility for Benjamin's life and his safety, verse 9. So here we have the voice of reason, Judah. He steps up to the plate. And so we have this big argument going on in the family. How many families have no arguments? None. All families have an issue. Look, they have this feud going on. There's a big argument going on. I like what Judah said in verse 10. He says, if we hadn't wasted all this time, we could have gone and returned twice by now. Very funny, isn't he? Stop wasting time. Let's stop arguing. Let's go. We need to go. Anyway, back to the father. Jacob is a man of God. Let's not forget that. Jacob is a man of God. He's a man of faith. And I'm pretty certain that he was praying for that famine to stop. I'm pretty certain he was calling on God for, to stop this famine. But in this situation, it seems that he's lacking in faith. He cannot see and he cannot understand, he cannot comprehend the plan that God has. He's angry, he's annoyed, he's fearful and just very difficult. Now, this is a good lesson for all of us. Do we really have faith in God? Mm. Think about your life. Do you really? I know you may be saved and you're Christians, I know. But do you really have faith in God? Remember, faith is active and it's dynamic as well. It's not just an intellectual belief. It's active and it is, it, it's dynamic. The Bible says without faith, it is what? Possible? No, impossible to please God. Hebrews chapter 11 verse 6. Without faith, you cannot please God at all. You need faith. When we meet God face to face, we will not need faith. Did you know that? When we are in God's presence, we will not need faith. But until then, we need faith. I wonder how many of us are operating in fear and not in faith, I wonder. 
take a look, be analytical of your life. How many of us are operating in fear and not in faith? No faith in Christ means no hope. And that makes for a grumpy, miserable, agitated, frustrated, fearful, depressed person. And you have no hope. That's how you're going to be. Do you have faith this morning, church? Amen. Some of you do, not all of you. Some of you, okay. God has a bigger plan and a better plan. Did you know that? And he had that for Jacob and his family. Jacob doesn't know it. God has a bigger and better plan for his family. Do we have confidence in God's providence? Let this go in and sink in. The second person in contrast is uh, Joseph. The brothers still do not know that the Egyptian ruler is their brother Joseph. But Joseph treats them graciously. He treats them graciously. When Joseph saw his brother Benjamin, this is after two decades, by the way, he could not contain his emotions. I love this. And he went somewhere private to weep. Verse 30. Simeon was delivered to his brothers. A meal was prepared for all of them, so they had a feast. And remarkably, they were sat in order of their ages, firstborn up. How could the Egyptians even know the ages of these Hebrews? Inside information, huh? Inside information. How was that even possible to seat the brothers in age order? Benjamin, who is the youngest, receives a special honour. He gets five times more food than his older brother. His older brothers, verse 34. Now, some people have said that Joseph was toying too much with his brothers. He was playing too much games with them. He, he could have revealed himself to them much sooner. Why was he playing around like this, putting them under so much grief and misery and fear? I disagree. I disagree. And this is a strong point that I would like you to consider. Without repentance and forgiveness, reconciliation is just surface level. Did you know that? For genuine reconciliation to occur, there must be true repentance and forgiveness. Joseph needed to know that his brothers were not just sorry or a little sad. Joseph needed to see evidence of true repentance. Repentance is a genuine change of heart and of mind, changing direction. Only then can there be forgiveness and a real sense of reconciliation. Imagine you had someone stealing from your house constantly. Every time they came to your house, they stole money. You confront them, they say they're sorry. Would you just let them back in your house again? You need to see a little bit more than that. You need to see genuine repentance. I think Joseph was acting very wisely, actually. In these events, Joseph better understands God's plans. I think Joseph had a better understanding of God's plans and what God was doing. I believe Joseph had confidence in God's providence. Joseph trusts God's process. Joseph trusts God's process. So I'm going to conclude here this morning with this. You may not understand God's plan in your life. 
You may not understand what God is doing with you, how he's shaping and molding you and strengthening your faith. Some things may seem to be going downhill in your life. Might be your health, your family, or your children, your employment, or in your workplace. Things seem to be going downhill. Perhaps you're really praying and wanting to see a breakthrough in your life. How many people are praying for a breakthrough in, in their lives? For something? Only one of you. Okay. Maybe you're praying for salvation, the salvation of your family and of your friends. And you may be frustrated and you might be feeling as if God is not listening to you. And you might be feeling as if God doesn't actually care about you. He's abandoned you. You might be feeling that way. But this morning, I want you to know that I believe in God's unfailing love. Do you believe in God's unfailing love? And I believe in God's word and his promises. And so I invite you all to stand on God's word, stand on his promises and trust in the Lord, his faithfulness. And we know that all things work together for good for those who love God and who are called according to his purpose. The reason why I showed you about my journey at the beginning was because there was a certain stage in my life where people thought I was off the rails. And people thought, this is even family members, thought that I was, I was done, heading nowhere fast. But God has a plan for you. Just seek the Lord. Just trust in the Lord. Cry out to him if you have to. And ask, Lord, what is your will for my life? And so the question remains this morning, do you have confidence in God's providence? Do you trust God's process? Amen. 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 Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.